Hello, my name is Ben Oden. I am an author, capacity building and leadership development trainer. Each week, Mimi, pamoja na viongozi mbalimbali who will be featured on this podcast, will bring you leadership principles, stories and philosophies that if applied will elevate you into a position of more influence among those you lead and those who lead you. Uh, hello to you. I hope you are having a good day. Uh, welcome to the Why Lead Others podcast. This is another episode. Uh, I'm your host, Ben Oden. Uh, today we'll be talking about work-life balance from a working woman's perspective. Now, I am joined by a special guest today. Uh, in her personal life, she is a wife and a mother of four. In her professional life, uh, her stat sheet shows that she has an immense experience in leadership, predominantly in the area of governance and human rights. She has worked with uh, organizations like Oxfam, BBC Media Action, uh, the Embassy of Ireland, and SNV. Now, she is currently the country director of BBC Media Action. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you Anna Buana. Thank you, Ben. Asante. Now, Anna, when you hear the words work-life balance, as a woman, what, 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 what does this mean? Uh, um, so, I think, for me, it's definitely a longer-term perspective that I take on work-life balance. It's not mm-hmm. about how much you portion off um, to your work versus your home life. You know, it is about, within the broader scheme of things and over a longer period of time, trying to ensure that you're prioritizing um, all those different elements of your life um, sufficiently. Um, And I think that that balance does change as your career changes, as your personal circumstances change. And as you as well, as a person, as you grow, you look at that balance differently. Um, So for me personally, you know, it does mean that uh, I feel satisfied with what I'm giving at home, so how I'm supporting my husband, how I'm supporting my children, but also likewise that um, I'm not taking the easy route at the office and allowing others to pick up my slack uh, because I'm also not pulling my weight in the office. So it is trying to find um, a balance between those sometimes competing demands. Yeah, I think for some people, um, when they hear the words work-life balance, uh, what comes to mind in Gomba uh, when I do, uh, I make sure that I'm leaving the office at five or at four. I mean, depending on your, you know, uh, your working uh, hours, um, yeah. and I have to be home at this particular hour. So it's more about you know the time spent rather than the quality of you know uh, the time spent wherever it is that you spend your time. So is it more of a how many hours you spend where, or is it more of the quality of either work or life that you have in both places? So I don't think those things are are so separate. You know, I think. Um, I definitely have found it easier when I'm strict with myself about what time I leave the office because it's very easy to just get pulled into one assignment, one meeting after another. So having a level of discipline has meant that I I do have enough time out of the office to then start focusing on quality. When when you leave the office at seven and you're commuting for two hours and you get home at nine and the kids are asleep, you don't get to invest in quality whether you want to or not. You mm. know, so so I think. Um, Many people do think about um, the time because it's it's something controllable that is easy for you to start working on um, so that you can invest in the quality. And I think um, for a woman, it gets trickier because um, it's not 
work-life balance. You can work in the office, you come home and you're working. So it's not as if you come home and you get to sit down and watch a movie with your children. Sometimes you're coming home and you have housework to do, um, you have to do homework with your children, you have to take care of multiple um, tasks as well at home. So it sometimes can feel like it's work-work. Mm. Um, so to remind yourself to build in the quality time, not just to give to others, but to also give to yourself. I think that's actually the hardest part as a working woman. And how 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 has I guess work life balance or work work life balance uh, looked like for you in this uh, time of you know COVID nineteen where pe- most people are working from home? Has that has it been easier or has it been harder? Definitely harder because it's blurred so many. Um, things that I had already put into place to help me find that balance. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, I I finished my maternity leave and went straight into working from home. So getting yourself back into a routine of thinking about work, thinking about your team um, whilst you're at home and your routine at home hasn't changed, that was really tricky. So I still was facing the same um demands on my time at home with a young baby and other children but at the same time I had to uh, reconfigure myself now to start thinking about work as well so that was definitely tricky I think in some ways a lot of people have understood the challenges that women face now that we have the situation of working from home Um, so many calls or online meetings that I'm on and you see how women um, are having to balance multiple things at the same time and um, and to be able to have a work call whilst at the same time you have one eye on your child. So I think on the one hand, it has blurred a lot of those lines between work life. On the other hand, it, you know, it's had its silver linings. I've never spent so much time with my family, you know, ever in a sort of a prolonged period um, of time. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think that's been that's been really good and it and I think it's also just brought to the surface things that all families should be addressing although it's not happening enough which is like the gendered nature of jobs inside the home you know so why why are the men having like an extended three-month holiday while the women are you know picking up more and more of the burden because everybody's at home so those are the kind of questions I think that have also been raised to the surface during this time and they're very relevant questions. And so what, what, I guess, what factors do you think uh, play a role into whether or not someone actually succeeds in creating this balance? Um, or what factors have played a role into your life? You know, how do you struggle? Because like you said, there are women who they go uh, to work and it's work. They come home and it's work. And for others, they come home. It's not because, you know, either they have uh, help at home or they have family members who are also playing a role into helping. So I guess what factors do you think play a role into whether or not a woman uh, can succeed in creating this balance? Um, several. I think, you know, one, your support network. And that's both at home and at work, I think working in an environment that acknowledges work-life balance and that acknowledges the personal and social aspects of a worker are really important. And I've been really lucky that having worked predominantly in civil society, you know, that tends to be the spirit of a lot of the organizations where I've worked. So um, it is a lot harder. I mean, it is a lot easier to to strike that balance when your work environment supports it and acts on it consciously. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of manager you have really makes a difference. I've I've largely been 
managed by women who I think have faced the same struggles or faced the same struggles themselves, especially at the beginning of their careers. So they're quite conscious of how they support their teams to do that. Um, on the flip side is, you know, having a strong support system at home has really mattered for me. So that's that's not just the, the house help that you have who are working with you on a day-to-day basis, but it's also your family, your friends who step in when you can't be there or when you have to make a choice. Because sometimes you just, you don't have an option. It's either or and you can't do both. So I think having that kind of support system really matters. And lastly, I think... I think it really does matter what point you are in your life. Mm. There's some points where it's easier to strike that balance. Sometimes it's easier to strike it when you're fresh in your career and you might not have as pressing responsibilities at home. So you can invest more in your career growth and you can pick up more work in the office that can help you to grow. Other times, you know, as you become a manager and you have more independence in structuring your day and your workload, then you can find a balance. I found that um, the more space I have to organize myself, um, I can, you know, make enough time to leave the office and be at home. When, you, when you're in a work environment where your tasks are dictated and micromanaged, it is harder for you to find a personal balance because a lot of it hinges on how other people are allocating tasks to you. Mm, I like that. Um, and so how does one measure, um, I guess, to, to find out whether or not they do have the balance. Is it something that you measure on a day-to-day basis? Is it more retrospective looking back over a long period of time and saying, yeah, you know what, maybe I have. How does one find out um, whether they actually are currently um, operating with this balance? I think it's a luxury if you can do it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I mean, I think I have some sort of warning signs. You know, if there are some weeks where I look at my children and I really feel guilty that I feel like I've neglected them, then I know that, you know, I haven't really struck a balance that I'm comfortable with and I need to rethink what's been happening this week that has distracted me and, you know, how long is that going to continue for? You know, I've now hit a decade of working and I think I can look back and I can appreciate that um, it has been a continuous process and it has fluctuated, you know. So I think if you have the luxury of being able to look back retrospectively and think about how things have added up, you know, and you know that there've been some points where you've had to sacrifice home in order to pull your weights in the office and vice versa. But at the end of it, you know, you've been able to sort of satisfy your priorities at that point in time. Um, Then I think you've, you're probably on the right track towards finding work-life balance. And sometimes you can find it and then it slips, you know, you can have great work-life balance and then one of your parents falls ill and you're responsible for taking care of your parent, then, you know, that changes things around again and you have to relook at what your priorities are, how much time do you need to spend at home versus the office and things like that. So I think it's at those points when our routine, our rhythm is destabilized that we really start to question that balance and whether we have it. Yeah. Um, uh, Brad uh, Stolberg uh, said, 
rather recommended to, I think uh, his recommendation towards lower life balance is more to look at it as seasons yeah. rather than hours in every day. And in fact, he says there might be a season where you're writing a book um, and that's the thing that satisfies you. And that's the thing that you have to give most of your time to. Yeah. And then there might be a season when, you know, you're starting a family. Um, and so, of course, in a season where, you know, you're writing a book, you'll probably have few hours to focus on your family versus the season when you're starting a family, then you'll have less hours to really put into your work. So it's one of yeah. rather seasonal than just every day, you know, so there could be seasons, like you just said, there could be seasons when family, your family needs you more. Yeah. Like you're saying, if somebody is sick or, you know, your child is, for example, there are people who have, um, children either, you know, with like disability or things of, you know, that nature. And they're more demanding than, you know, a yeah. child who's not disabled. So, which means this person, you know, they would, for a certain period of time, their family would probably need them more. But I think the conflict there is like, how do you not feel guilty? Because I think when you're giving more to your family, how do you not feel guilty that, you know what, I am slacking at work? Or when you're yeah. giving more to your work, how do you not feel guilty that you're slacking at home? How do you remove guilt when the seasons, you know, uh, when you're, I guess, in different seasons? How do you remove the guilt? First of all, I think I really like the idea of seasons you know i think that's exactly the right way of looking at it secondly i don't know if it's possible to remove guilt and i don't know if we should be removing guilt you know i think for me personally guilt is an important red flag you know that i do pay attention to and um and you have to manage your guilt and you have to uh be fair on yourself um but i don't I wouldn't say that the idea would be to remove guilt. You know, I think the idea would be to manage it, um, to be kind to yourself. And I think particularly as a woman, I think probably what, what I'm most conscious of is that during these seasons, you often find that um, they have more impact on a woman than on a man. So when you're starting a family, it tends to be a woman's career that is impacted a lot more than a man's career. Um, when a woman has to invest a lot more in her work um, um, life or her life at the office, that can have a bigger impact um, on the family than if it's a man, you know. So I also don't think that you can remove the gendered element out of the idea of work-life balance because mm -hmm. it means different things for women and men. And I think that... Um, when we come closer to having more equal relationships in, at home, it will help to reduce that guilt as well. Because if you have a partner who, you know, can step in for you when you can't be there, it makes it easier for you to be able to take time out mm. to focus on your career. But if you feel that you have to be stretched across both mm. all the time and do it all perfectly, mm. I think that's when the guilt and the frustrations and the self-criticism comes in. Comes in. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think um, there are women who feel like the game is rigged in terms of um, a woman is sort of like set up for failure because on one hand um, for a woman to succeed especially in the corporate setting um, I don't know about you know the civil society um, I mean the industry you work in but I think in a corporate sector um, for a woman to really rise on top they have to do a lot more than the man does yeah. um, but at the same time um, women are viewed from this traditional lens where you know you have to play a certain role at home so yeah. if you want to thrive in your career you have to do more than a man does and that would require that you uh 
drop the ball at home, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you want to play this traditional role um, that you know people expect you to play, and sometimes even I guess family members, then you will not. Yeah. Um, at the same time, we're constantly encouraging women to you know uh, go out there, you know, conquer the world. So the game is sort of like rigged where. To have one, you have to lose the other. Uh, this, do you think people who feel this way, um, I guess, uh, right? You know, is, is, is this yes. the right sentiment to have um, towards this? I mean, you know, right is a very subjective thing. I, mm. I do think that the civil sector, the civil society sector, is probably a bit kinder to women mm. in the corporate sector. And not just kind of to women, but kind of to workers in some ways. I think the pressures for um, proving your worth through long hours mm. and certain um, margins being being reached, etc. I don't think, you know, it's as prevalent in the civil society sector. Um, so in many ways, I think it might, it is probably a kind of environment for women. Having said that, you know, the women that, I have worked with and that I've seen who have who have really sort of um, successfully pushed their careers to the very top within civil society have you know I think they've they've had to work you know immense number of hours and to prove themselves over and over again that they are worth it and that um, as women they they can do more than just do admin or do the HR, yeah. gender desk or do HR, but yeah. actually they can be MDs and EDs, you know, and finance managers and, um, and still do it as well as men, if not more. So, you know, I do think that the pressures are still there, that you always have to prove yourself more. And I think, especially then if you're also like, I have felt it when, when I have young children, um, and even though people can be understanding, you know, when you call and you say, my child is sick, I can't come in on time. Um, you know, you go through a period where your child is sick almost every week, you know, um, and you, you do start to feel guilty and you start to see that people are looking at you like you're not pulling your weight and you're not prioritizing things and that they're having to pick it up for you. And that makes it a lot harder. And I know that my husband doesn't face the same pressures because, you know, if work calls, he will leave that. He will go because he knows that I'll be the one ultimately responsible for the child. So definitely, I think these factors do make it then harder for a woman. Um, and and it does mean that even if the office or the team doesn't require it of them to work twice as hard, they require it of themselves because they're so conscious um, of all these different um, factor, uh, factors in their environment. Um, so let's say there's somebody listening and, you know, their life is sort of like all over the place. Um, <laughs> and they... That is the story of my life. <laughs> that's the story of your life. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, and they want to restructure their life and say, you know, okay, maybe I want to create a certain sense of balance in my life, yeah. um, you know, in regards to work and my personal life. How, how, where does one begin? Um... I think the first thing for me would be to reflect on what your priorities really are now and where you see your priorities being, you know, in two years' time, in five years' time, in ten years' time, so that you're creating a journey for yourself and not just taking a snapshot of where you are now and therefore what you have to fix now without thinking about well, what's going to happen in two months' time, in six months' time. So it's about 
looking at the journey of, you know, looking back at where you've come from, but also trying to chart out your journey going forward. And then, you know, off the basis of that, then I think it's about then taking stock of where you are work-wise. You know, are you working in an environment that allows you to meet those priorities? You know, if you're working in a, you know, in a very fast-paced corporate setup, but you want to invest in starting a family, you know, should you be thinking about switching careers or moving to um, a slower-paced work environment for the next few years that would allow you to reinvest in your other priorities and vice versa, you know. So so I think looking at the journey, trying to identify where you are work-wise, where you are in your personal space and, and thinking about whether one complements the other or if some things have to have to go or to be realigned. I think it's a lot harder to realign like your husband or your children. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to advance your career, you know, and you have um, a complex family environment, it is difficult to say for the next three years, I'm going to ditch the children and just work. Yeah. But there are things you can do. You can think about how you can um, have a stronger support system, you know, how you can maybe even get your older children to step up a bit more at home so that um, you have more time to also work from home and things like that. So there are ways I think you can really look even at your home environment and think about, well, what can continue and what really has to shift. And what what role do you think men, um, you know, fathers and husbands um, can play, you know, in helping their partners uh, sort of like create this balance, you know, without sacrificing um, their career growth? I mean, what role do men have to play? Um, Gosh, I think, I mean, a lot. I think, you know, one, starting in the office environment, I think, you know, men, if they're managers, if they're bosses, if they're leaders in any capacity, recognizing that the women working in your team, in your office, um, are probably carrying a double burden, you know, so being... Um, sympathetic to that I think makes you a stronger leader Um, in the home environment I think we need to challenge the idea that men are the breadwinner so their career has to come first because whatever the woman brings in is just to top up essentially what the man you know has brought to the table I think that needs to change and I think men have to be at the forefront of understanding that change as well and therefore understanding that supporting your wife or your partners or your daughters your sister's career is is just as important and sometimes um or you know quite vital to that is understanding that when a woman comes home she's often working again for the next few hours before she goes to bed so how do you reduce her burden as well at home um one so that um, she actually can be top-notch when she goes to work the next day and so that as well she can actually invest in quality you know um how how you raise your children for example you know that requires both parents to to invest in quality time with their child um supporting your wife to be able to actually invest in quality time means that you'll have to pick up some of the other household work so that she also has that quality time and that she has the the peace of mind to even be able to do that in the first place you know so i think there are a lot of ways that men can help but it starts with being empathetic you know and being um putting yourself in their shoes and understanding that a woman's role is actually really complex and she's carrying multiple burdens all the time yeah i have a friend who um he has a habit of i think every month 
uh, one weekend he would send his wife away to just be alone. Um, so, you know, she would travel, go, I don't know, to a hotel somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, spend, you know, the weekend by herself um, to just recharge, you know, and just to be alone. And yeah. then, you know, he would be with the kids uh, or maybe, you know, have a family member join him to help, you know, take care of the kids. And he does that because he's realized that that helps with her wife's uh, mental health yeah. where, you know, she doesn't she doesn't become, I guess, um overwhelmed by all the responsibilities and everything and you know the expectations uh that i guess you know work and uh, personal life is you know is placed on her so to sort of like create you know a healthy space um for her you know every month at least one weekend she goes away and of course he, he says that you know what when um i guess life becomes busy and she doesn't have that time away you can see uh how you know she's slightly different yeah. um so i guess what role do you think you know alone time um for a woman I mean, as we're talking about life, work-life balance, because it's not just about you being top-notch at work and you being top-notch at home, but it's also you having time for yourself. Um, And I think this is uh, something that we rarely talk about. Um, But, you know, what what role do you think alone time and just being with yourself um, plays into your own, I guess, mental health and um, into, you know, you being able to bring your very best when you engage with other people? I, I think it matters a lot. And I think it's one of the things probably missing from a lot of women's lives i mean i can't remember the last time i had alone time or me time you know um and i think i mean there's a part of it that comes with having very young children um but i think it does matter and to be very honest you know i'm already now trying to calculate when is my next work trip so i get the chance to actually get away and miss my family because sometimes you also just want to be able to miss your children and your husband and your family um and and to do that you actually need to be able to get away (laughs) for a while you know and and i think i think it does matter and i think i think there is a real need to to allow women to invest in themselves without that being perceived as being selfish um it's not a woman's role to to sort of stretch herself so thin that she loses herself in the process um so i I agree very much with your friend. I think I think that's a brilliant idea, and I think that you know m- more couples, more families should really look at how to support the mental and uh, and the psychological, emotional needs as well of of both partners. You know, both the husband and the wife. Yeah. Yeah, I like that, and, and I think yeah, this just all goes back to show uh, the role that men have to play as well, uh, yeah. because you know if the wife uh, or the partner is going to be away uh, to sort of like, you know, to be with herself, then somebody else is going to have to step up. Yeah. Um, and that's where the husband comes in. And I think for people, yeah. who, for single moms, you know, that's where the support uh, system, whether it's, you know, a family with the parents or yeah. your siblings, um, or I guess even close friends that you can trust. Uh, so I think, yeah, support system plays a, an integral yeah. role in making sure that you can have yeah. um, this balance. And, you know, and, and personal health, I think, is plays a huge, huge yeah. role. Yeah. Um, as well. And I think you're right. I mean, there's no point, you know, giving your wife or a woman time out when it's going to stress her because she's worried about who's going to cover for her at home in her absence. You yeah. know, I think for her to actually be able to de-stress and relax, she needs to have the confidence that my husband's got this, you know, or whoever is part of her support system, her parents, her siblings, that they're taking care of the children. They're taking care of the home. It's not in chaos. And there's nobody, you know, who's not going to be able to survive without her being there. So that does need somebody to step in in her absence. And for her to have the confidence that, 
you know, actually the world will continue rotating um, even if I'm not there to fix everything for everybody all the time. Um, now, w one more thing that I would like us to talk about um, is this whole idea of uh, corporate Stockholm Syndrome. Now, for the listeners who are unaware of uh, Stockholm Syndrome, it's defined as a psychological response um, that occurs when a hostage or an abuse victim uh, bonds with their captor or abuser. Um, you know, it even gets to a point where the victim uh, starts to sympathize with their abuser um, and it gets to a point where they may even begin to develop or to feel that they share common Corporate Stockholm Syndrome um, is defined uh, as, you know, employees of a business beginning to identify with and being deep, being deeply loyal to an employer who mistreats them. Um, you know, this mistreatment being defined as, uh, in this situation, as verbal abuse or demanding overly long hours and generally ignoring the well-being and emotional needs of the employee. Now, as with the captor-captive uh, dynamic, um, the employer is certainly in control of the employee's uh, fate because, you know, they sign the much-needed paycheck and um, they can terminate uh, their terms of employment uh, at any time. Uh, so the employee is sort of hooked in this uh, relationship, they are the victim here. You know, they, they can't seem to get out. Um, the employer is clearly being abusive. Like I said, abusive being, you know, verbal abuse, you know, um, overly long work hours, ignoring the mental well-being of the employee, more ignoring the emotional well-being of the employee. Um, and so the employee is hooked. So now it's hard to have work-life balance when you're working in a toxic space like this. So one, how does a person identify that they're in a toxic space, you know, that they have this corporate Stockholm syndrome? And two, how do they get out? Gosh, that's a, that's a hard one, um, but a very important one. I think, I mean, first of all, how do you identify it? I think, you know, if, if work, if the idea of going to work is making you anxious and stressed, um, then definitely there's a problem there. You know, if, if, if being at work um, and uh, and feeling the pressures of work makes you feel that you're not sufficient, that you're not doing enough, and that you always have to constantly do more and more and more to prove to yourself and to prove to others that you're worthy of a, of that job, of that role, and then I think there's probably something wrong there. And I think um, you need to be able to to self-reflect a little bit you know and um and and to be able to pick that up if that's the situation where you're in to be honest i think you know just like with the with all um abusive or toxic relationships, relationships by yeah. the time you get to the point where you identify you're in a bad relationship you're you know you're almost there that's already a huge step right part of the challenge is that you often don't realize it until it's quite late that this relationship is really toxic and it's not working for you and you need to wean yourself off it quickly. Um, and as I mentioned before, I I do think that, you know, that should be the role of third-party entities like trade unions and staff associations who, you know, who are also concerned about the psychosocial and mental welfare of, of, the, of staff. Um, I do think that if you, if you do realize that you're in a bad place, Work-wise, that you're not working in a in an entity or in a role that satisfies you, and actually one that drains you and and harms you. 
then I think you need to go. I think by the time you get to that point, then you've, you know, I think you probably overstayed mm-hmm. there and you, and you need to find something better. Now, to be honest, I think with the labor market the way it is in Tanzania, many people don't feel they have the luxury you know, of just leaving a job, um, either because they still they still do live month to month off that paycheck, and there's a lot of risk with just walking away, you know, from a job when there's so many other people who are anxious to be employed and to take up that role. So I think, you know, even the idea of leaving a bad job creates its own anxiety, you know, and another set of stresses and pressure. So I don't think it's a very easy decision. It's not a black and white situation. Yes, it's not. It's not. But I do think, um, I do think it's really important to, to, to be able to know when to walk away and to, and to have the strength uh, to make that kind of decision because it also works the other way. You know, I, I know a lot of families where the parents work really long hours they commute, you know, for several hours a day um, in order to deliver a lifestyle for their children, for their family that they can't enjoy because they're never with their, their family and their yeah. children, you know. So you you end up getting caught in a sort of a vicious cycle where you want to create a good life for yourself or your family. But in the process of doing so, you actually don't get to have a life with your family or with yourself for that matter, you know? So, um, so I, I do think as a, as a, as a society, um, especially sort of urban professional careers, we need to be really conscious of, of, of the kind of decisions we're making with the kind of workplaces, um, that we're willing to work in and, um, and what that contributes to or takes away from your overall, um, life. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for your time uh, here today, Anna. Uh, you've shared with us um, a lot of gems and I'm sure that, you know, for our listeners out there, um, you've challenged someone's way of thinking of work-life balance. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, uh, people can um, extract many hacks from everything that you have shared. So thank you so much for taking the time to uh, have a conversation with me about this. Um, and to our listeners, thank you for taking the time to listen. Um, and we hope that you have been challenged, encouraged, um, and educated in regard to the work-life balance uh, conversation. Uh, Until next time, have a great day. This has been the Wildlead Others podcast brought to you by Wildlead Consultancy. Wildlead Consultancy is a capacity-building firm that exists to build highly productive and innovative leaders. To reach us, go to www.wildleadothers.com.